0: Absolute Sports Betting Degeneracy.
1: Welcome to the zoo.
2: With Sex Panther and Chubby Zebra.
3: it's Thursday night, and that can only mean one thing. It's time for the zoo and talk some college football. This will be the final college football podcast with me and Chubby Zebra for 2022. Chubby Zebra, how'd you do last week, buddy?
4: Well, um, two and two with one pending right now with Oklahoma pending. And for the 463rd time in my career, I quit. <laughs> I'm done. I am done. Uh, that bad beat from Arkansas last night uh, put me from a three and one to a two and two. It, it killed the parlay. Arkansas is up 38 to 23, laying three points with the ball with three minutes to go. They make a nice play to get to like third and one, and some guy falls down and they say fumbles. The next thing you know, all hell breaks loose, and we've got a two point Arkansas win and triple overtime. So, um, I'm done. I quit, uh, once again, uh, and probably until I make my next wager.
3: Yeah, so. So we do our bets tonight. Uh, dude, I'm three and two. I need this Florida State win. We're on opposite tonight on this game that's going on right now. Uh, Oklahoma up by six. So I'm actually down two touchdowns. Let factor in the seven and a half I gave up. But, uh, boomer. That Ar- that, yeah, boomer! That Arkansas game was a double whack for me. I'm three and two. Both of my losses. Arkansas not covering the three, 2.5, whatever we got. And I took the under 69. So at, at the point that you're talking about three minutes left in the fourth quarter, we're only in the mid-50s. They score 50 points from that point in the three minutes left in the fourth quarter and overtime. Uh so blow my under, blow the game. I'm three and two, and now I need this game, Florida State, to win for me to salvage our first week of the Bulls. So a, a brutal game, a brutal game for our betting. It's you know, we're betting typically around five games and one game can really take you from a shit show to a mediocre or losing week. Any other games that stand out from you from the uh, last time or the previous early bowl games?
4: You, you know, these things are impossible. We think it's hard enough to, to to cap handicap and bet these games during the regular season. These bowl games are impossible. You've got, you know, coaches being fired. You got coaches Going to other jobs, you got coordinators moving to other jobs. You got kids jumping in the portal, jumping out of the portal. You got kids declaring for the draft and sitting on the bowl games that have no business sitting out because they're not going to get drafted, even in the USFL. I don't know what these kids are thinking, but this is making it near impossible. You might as well just throw a dart or just take underdogs because underdogs seem to be the play.
3: Well, he's going to start, yeah, the underdogs definitely look like they're the play. And I think that you will notice that'll be a theme <laughs> with uh, my bets today. But uh, to your point, it's almost like the bowl games are like the NFL Pro Bowl. Nobody's playing. Nobody wants to play. You enter the transfer portal, you can't play. Uh, players going into the NFL draft, like it, it's almost made these bowl games damn near meaningless. There's not enough playstations and tickets and food to entice these you know the elite athletes i guess the the common folk they're actually going to get a degree and go go get a job like a normal college student probably enjoy the bowl games the warm weather going to the bahamas or california what have you but as far as sports betters like stay away from these bowl games they're terrible they're 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 so unpredictable which means we're going to dive into it and jump into some bowl games you ready to do this let's go We're going to do something exactly opposite of what we've done all season. And that is we're going to start with Notre Dame with the very first game. That's only because it's the first game on the board. It starts tomorrow at 3.30 in the afternoon, Eastern time. They're taking on the South Carolina Gamecocks. Here's a team, two teams that are, we're talking exactly about that transfer portal. Notre Dame lost their quarterback. Drew Pine entered the portal, went to Arizona state, South Carolina, I think the coach said something like they've lost eight tight ends (laughs) through transfer portal injury and graduation or what have you. Um, The the amount of players that they went through this entire season uh, and what they have going into this game does make this almost impossible. But for me, it stands out with two particular players. One, no Drew Pine. Going back to Tyler Buckner, the guy that started the Ohio State game, I've never been a Buckner fan. I don't think he's a very good passer. I think they like him because of his running ability, and he's going to need to run because Notre Dame also will not have Michael Mayer, who entered the NFL draft as expected, and he was their top target all season long. Without those two, I'm really surprised that Notre Dame is, is not only the favorite, but it's actually gotten worse uh, all the way to three and a half. I don't think Notre Dame wins this game. I really don't know. It's hard to say. I don't know that much about South Carolina, but I do know they are missing some players. But with both teams it, it being a crapshoot and what I've seen with these other bowl games, I'm taking South Carolina with that three and a half points.
4: You know, I, I read that um, Buckner, uh, during his injury, having sat up in the booth with Tommy Reese, um, you know, might have brought some quote unquote valuable seasoning to him. How Tommy Reese is terrible. How does him sitting up in the booth with Tommy Reese make it a value? Yeah, maybe you see the game better from up there, but he's not learning anything from that guy. I I you know he's he's coming back. You've got Spencer Rattler on the other side, the more experienced, tenured quarterback. There's all kinds of opt-outs in this game. Like you said, Meyer from Notre Dame's out, and that's a safety blanket. Um, South Carolina's got guys out as well, but Give me the points. Give me the regular quarterback, especially getting the hook on the field goal. I'm with you. I'm on South Carolina plus the three and a half in this one, and, and we'll see what happens.
3: I like it. You know, Usually we'll bounce back and forth, but what I did with this little schedule is uh, we're going to try and go in some kind of chronological order. One more game for the Friday slate we're going to look at. I'm on this one. Tennessee going against Clemson. Again, opt-outs, transfers, DJ Ugalele, uh transferred out. Uh, Tennessee is going to be missing some players, but I don't think they're missing as many. And Tennessee has a, an opportunity here to salvage their season. Uh, here was a team that got all, ranked all the way up to, what, number one, number two at one point. Uh, then they got smacked by two touchdowns of Georgia. Then South Carolina just beat the absolute piss out of them. Uh, now they take on a Clemson team that – we weren't that impressed with all season, but here after that Notre Dame game, they seem to have gotten right, particularly on the offensive side of the ball, scoring over 30 points in each one of those games. And I think they're going to need to because Tennessee is such an explosive offense. Their defense usually plays up the par, but that South Carolina game really made their defense look so silly. I don't know that Clemson has that kind of firepower, I'm kind of expecting this to be a bit of a shootout. Vegas thinks it's probably going to be a shootout at 63 and a half. um, And I'm catching six points. Clemson minus six. I'm not feeling that. Give me the dog again. I like the volunteers plus the six.
4: You know, you've got, again, backup quarterback versus backup quarterback in this with DJ transferring out to Oregon state and Hayden Hooker having been injured. Um, But Tennessee, Tennessee, brings in a quarterback that has experience. Joe, Joe Milton was a starting quarterback before transferring to Tennessee. The thing that concerns me about this is Clemson's running back. Um, you know, he is playing. He's really good. And I don't know if Tennessee's going to, you know, be able to stop that. That's probably the reason you're getting, seeing hit Clemson favored. But once again, I'm not on this game, but but I would lean towards Take taking the points like, like you're saying. Uh, one thing that I did find interesting about this is Clemson's got a couple players that are actually playing in this game, but then are going to declare for the draft. That's like unheard of in today's day and age. I mean, it used to happen a lot. And, you know, over the last five to 10 years, it's been a, it's been a thing, you know, you're going to the draft, sit out of your bowl game. Um, but they've got a couple defensive players, um, that that are going to play. Actually, they're Tennessee guys that are doing it. That now, now that I'm reading it, Byron Young and Darnell Wright, a couple defensive end and a right tackle for Tennessee. So, you got those guys that are going to the NFL that are going to play. You've got the experienced quarterback. Just be careful with the Will Shipley eating them up. But six points. I, I, there's no way I could lay it. I would definitely lean Tennessee on this one.
3: Yeah, it's, it's interesting that you bring that up because I, I would think if I was going to the NFL and let's say you had an option, you didn't want to do both. So you can go display your talent in a bowl game on the field against an opponent, or you can show up at the combine um, where, okay, we run some, we run some sprints and we throw up some, you know, some heavy weights, multiple reps. I I think having game film against an elite opponent might be the better test. I wouldn't be surprised. These guys, I mean, they'll probably still show up at the combine. You kind of have to show up at the combine, but Uh, Maybe they feel like this is an opportunity to show out and uh, let the scouts see what they're made of. All right, next game up, another one that I'm on, Alabama going against Kansas State. I think we sometimes sleep on Kansas State, being out in the Big 12. They're not one of the schools that always get talked about, but here they come in in a four-game winning streak. They beat TCU in that Big uh, Big 12 championship game in overtime. They've been putting up points. They put up 48 against West Virginia, 47 against Kansas. Um, so here's a team that I think we typically think of as a defensive team, a kind of a three-yards cloud of the dust. But they've shown that they can be a little bit of an offensive juggernaut. Going against an Alabama team that 10 wins – is I mean, this is a disappointment, right? If you're a Crimson Tide fan, this is damn near like a, a uh, losing season. We're ready to replace Nick Saban. Uh, obviously a, an overreaction, but I think they are disappointed in the results of their season. And when you look at the losses, I mean, what? Not even a touchdown. Not even a touchdown in those two losses between LSU and Tennessee, uh, keeping them out of the final four. Obviously, a very good, very talented team. They get the five-star recruits. You've got the Hall of Famer or future Hall of Famer and Nick Saban. I think this is just a, a matter of class. And Kansas State, yeah, they measure up against the slightly better than mid-major Big 12. But now this is a step up in class against an Alabama team. That Yes, they're going to be missing some players. Um, there's There's guys in the transfer portal and people that are going into the draft. But it shouldn't matter because Alabama – Gets the cream de la crème every single recruiting cycle. All they never rebuild; they just replace. And even for this one game, there's no way I'm fading Alabama uh, on six and a half points. So this will be the one favorite I'm going to take. I'm going to take Alabama minus the six and a half.
4: You know the the reason that I, I mean, I look at this game. I want to watch this game. It's going to be very interesting. But I I go back to many many years ago when Alabama was in a ser- similar situation, not having made the. I don't know if it was even a playoff at that time or the one versus two game or whatever it was. They just laid an egg against Utah one night in the Sugar Bowl. Motivation in this one is what scares me. K-State's going to play. They thought they maybe had an outside shot, but they they realistically knew they weren't getting in the playoffs. Look what they did in the Big 12 title game uh, by winning that. These kids are going to be motivated. They're there to play. Yeah, Alabama, Bryce Young, Will Anderson, they're going to play, but how much? You saw a situation earlier today uh, where Minnesota's running back, did play, going to the draft, senior, set a couple school records, didn't come out in the second half. Now that field was starting to get a little slippery. I don't know if what if anything they had to do. Are these guys for Alabama going to play? Are they going to show up for a quarter, maybe a half, and then get pulled I don't know. Therefore, I can't put any money on it. Uh, one thing I do know for sure is K-State will show up. They will play. Those kids are hungry. They want to beat Alabama. Uh, there's a reason this thing's sitting under a touchdown, and I think they're wanting people to jump on Alabama. So if I had to, I'd lean K-State in and in a, in a, in take the points, but I, I'm not I'm not playing this game.
3: Yeah, strong logic in your thought. Everybody does like to beat Alabama. It's their Super Bowl. All right, next game up. We're going to skip up over to Monday, Monday night, uh, Monday late afternoon. What do you want to talk about? Penn State taking on Utah in the Rose Bowl. This is a game that you want to talk about.
4: Yeah, you know, it'll be nice to see Sean Clifford finish up his 11th year as Penn State's quarterback um, in in the (laughs) Rose Bowl. The guy's been there since, you know, my kids were in diapers, I think. Uh, You know, and he's actually been playing well, so – this is going to be a really good game. Utah last year basically had the Rose Bowl won, and they fell to Ohio State on the last field goal. I think they're going to remember that. Utah, and I love Kyle Winningham as a coach. That guy gets the most out of his team on a week in and week out basis. Um, Cam Rising, dude's a baller. Uh, guys, guys, a leader. He's just he is an incredible quarterback. Don't think he's going to be in the NFL but a great college quarterback. They are losing their tight end to the to an opt out. Um but I just think Utah's got the motivation to to avenge last year's loss in the Rose Bowl. I think they've got the better team. They've beaten USC twice. Penn State has really played nobody except for Ohio State and Michigan and they got throttled by both of them. I like Utah's talent. I love Utah's coach in this situation. They got the motivation to go back out there. Their fans travel like crazy. This is going to look like a home game for Utah. Only laying two points, I think this is an easy win for Utah, which tells me it's probably going to be a nail-biter to the last play. But I am all over Utah laying the two points.
3: I've always been a big fan of these mid-major schools and now they're not a mid-major right because they joined a power five conference but i still look at utah as as a team that's still challenging to get that respect that notoriety but their recency other under kyle winningham i'm with you i love this guy when when uh brian kelly left he was on my list like i want to talk to him i'd love to see him in south bend indiana um but yeah what he's got going on at utah like they're in that conversation with USC and Oregon every year. Like, this is the team you've got to watch out for. And to your point, Penn State, you take away the Ohio State and the Mission Dumb games, who'd they beat? I mean, like, literally, who did they beat? They beat the snot out of a whole bunch of nobodies. Their non-con wasn't very good. Um, and now they're going to take on another top 10 school. I'm with you. I, I like it. I probably should have jumped on it. I didn't. Uh, tons of moral support. Love the Utah Utes here. All right. This is the time of the show where we're going to take a break. Let Mad Max put in a little commercial for
1: you guys. Guess who's back? Back again. My bookie's back. Tell a friend. That's right, DJ's proud to say that we're once again being brought to you by my bookie. But just because they weren't paying us doesn't mean we haven't been giving them some love. I still use my bookie to this date and you should too. Why?
3: All right, and we're back, getting down to our final three games, staying with Monday, Monday afternoon, Mississippi State taking on Illinois. You got an opinion on this one?
4: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to play this one, and, and obviously a horrible story with Mike Leach, one of the most charismatic coaches you're going to find in. Any sport. I mean, go back and YouTube some of the stuff that he said in press conferences. I mean, when he broke down the mascots of the Pac-12 was hilarious stuff. Um, Terrible story gone way too soon. But they've already named their his replacement and it comes from the staff Zach Arnett, the defensive coordinator young guy going to take over the squad. Um, I think that's huge for this game. Obviously the emotions for Mississippi state, we don't know what's going on in the program. They're good. They could either come out, you know, flat and, and dejected and, and thinking about it, or they're going to come out and fight like crazy, you know, for their coach one last time. I'm leaning towards that one. Um, you know, Illinois, they lost their defensive coordinator, Ryan Walters, which was a great hire for Purdue. Hard for me to say, but Purdue keeps getting it right while my Hoosiers continue getting it wrong. You know, not only is he take the defensive coordinator leaving Illinois headed to Purdue, he took a couple staff members with him. So the staff at in Illinois is more of a mess than Mississippi States. Illinois comes from the Big Ten West. Again, who do you play? You play a bunch of You know, you've got the Minnesotas and the Iowas and the Nebraskas. They really don't have a signature win on their schedule. Um, Mississippi State comes from the SEC West, arguably, probably the best division in football. So they're battle tested. I just think Mississippi State has more talent. Um, Will Rogers solid quarterback could see in the league one day and they're only laying one and a half. I, that line kind of concerns me, kind of confuses me, but I'm, I'm, a, I'm laying the points in this one and taking the bulldogs.
3: Yeah. The Mike Leach story does make this incredibly hard, but I, I know the athletic director went to the team after his passing and said, listen, we can not go to this bowl game. And, and the, every single player to a man was like, no, we're doing this for coach. So I think, they're, they're going to have their head screwed on straight. They want this one bad uh, for Coach Leach. Going against an Illinois team that lost three of their last four, and the, that last win was against Northwestern, who's not very good at all. But you look at those losses, a two-point loss to the Wolverines, a seven-point loss to Purdue, an eight-point loss to Michigan State. Uh, they're in games. Um, but I have to agree with you. I, I really think the Mike Leach factor and the talent standpoint, uh, all of that leans towards – Mississippi State, um, I, I kind of glanced over this one. I should be on Mississippi State. I didn't, so I can't jinx you, um, but I will definitely lean the Bulldogs here. All right, next game up. Oh, my goodness. Saturday, these are the big ones. College football semifinal, the Fiesta Bowl. The TCU Hornfrogs Frogs taking on that team from Ann Arbor. What? Where are you going with this one, Chubby Zebra?
4: You know, it, it took a while, and he was on the hot seat for quite some time. But Jim Harbaugh, you know, he's turned Michigan into a smash-mouth football team and a legitimate national title contender. Last year, they had the happy-to-be-here look, and actually kind of looked unprepared uh, by getting beat up pretty good by Georgia in the semifinal. But this year, the roles are reversed, and they enter, you know, this game as the favorite. The Wolverines are going to be without running back Blake Corum, but if you've watched Donovan Edwards, he's been every bit as good or better. Quarterback J.J. McCartney, he needs to avoid mistakes and and quote-unquote manage the offense, uh, and Michigan should score. Defensively, Michigan, they bend a little bit, and TCU's offense is exactly the type of offense that can take advantage of that. Uh, Purdue did it. Ohio State did it. And, you know, Max Dugan and his, and his guys are, are you know, that dual-threat quarterback, and they've got a solid running game with Kendry Miller. It's going to make this game a good one. Um, the biggest difference in this one is obviously TCU's defensive struggles against the run, and Michigan should try to, try to exploit that. And Michigan's defense is number five in scoring D, only giving up 13.4 points per game. Now, sounds really good. But look at the schedule. They, you know, yes, Ohio State, yes, Penn State. They haven't had the toughest of schedules. They're the the. I think this is the best quarterback Michigan's going to have seen all year, and yes, CJ Stroud included. I think Duggan can can exploit the Michigan D and put up points. Sonny Dykes, he's going to have the frogs ready to play. He's going to take the disrespected underdog role. And as long as the hook stays on this one, I'm on TCU plus seven and a half.
3: Oh, my goodness. You know, I'm, I'm looking at this game, and, and it's as much of a hater as I am, and I am unapologetically a Wolverines hater. Um, you got to acknowledge Jim Harbaugh, the turnaround. I mean, they were, they were clamoring for his head. They were ready to fire him. We're looking at NFL jobs. Where can he go? In the last two years, whatever he did, whatever he said – He's got the coaches, he's got these players, these kids are playing hard. I mean, you've got it. I mean, this is a blue-collar team, smash mouth, run the ball, defense is, is phenomenal. I mean, they're only giving up 85 yards per game on the ground. Uh, in, in today's college football, I know they everybody throws a lot, but you keep an entire team with running quarterbacks and all that under 100 yards, That that's impressive. Uh, so it, it's incredible what he's done. I've, I've kind of wondered if he were to actually get his national title, would he leave – and maybe take another shot at the NFL. We'll see what happens if, if he, that were to happen. But TCU, you know, kind of like Ohio State, that game wasn't as bad as the score says. The score says they won by three touchdowns. It, it was closer than that. It just kind of got away from the Buckeyes. As long as that doesn't happen here where it gets away from the Horn Frogs, I'm with you. I think they've got the offense and the defense to keep this close. I really don't think they win, but three, four points, I, I think – they're in this game. I like the Horn Frogs as well, especially with that hook. So I'm jumping on TCU plus that seven and a half. Last game up, the aforementioned Ohio State Buckeyes taking on the defending, well, I guess they're not defending anything. They'll always be last year's national champs. The George Bulldogs in the Peach Bowl. You're on this game as well.
4: You know, USC's uh, falter to Oregon or to Utah in the Pac-12 title game made the Big 10 a lot of money by getting the second team in for the first time. You know, and for much of this season, Ohio State, they were considered one of the best three teams in the country along with Georgia and Alabama. Then obviously came that embarrassing fourth quarter in the ugly 45 to 23 home loss to Michigan. And the Buckeye sat there needing help to make the playoffs. Well, they got that help from, from my guy, Cam Rising, Kyle Winningham, and the Utah Utes. You know, it feels like the underdog role has been embraced by Ohio State as they prepare for the defending national champions. Georgia, they've won 31 of their last 32 games. And Ohio State, this is the first time they have not been favored in 26 games. So we have a, a, a battle of obviously experienced winners. Georgia Stetson Bennett. You know, what a what a roller coaster ride this guy's been on the last couple of years. You know, not named a starting quarterback. You know, people think he can barely quarterback a high school team, let alone Georgia. And he's gone from what used to be a game manager to a playmaker during his time as starting quarterback. And heck, he was even a Heisman finalist this year. He threw for 274, four scores in the SEC title game in the blowout of LSU. And they also rushed for 255 yards. So there's a nice balance. Uh, is exactly what you need against an Ohio State's defense. Ohio State needs to figure out how to stop that run. Obviously, Michigan gashed them, especially in the fourth quarter of that last game. So they need to stop that. Stroud, he should see some success in this one. Georgia's been lit up by lesser quarterbacks a few times this year, including 502 yards by an LSU combination in the SEC title game. Uh, Georgia, a couple times this year, they've been less than impressive notably against Georgia Tech, Kentucky, and Missouri. But they obviously won all those games, and who knows? It could have been due to the, you know, the monotony of the regular season, and, uh, you know, we're Georgia, we can just put our helmets on and win these games. I don't know. Kirby Smart, you know, he makes some questionable game time decisions, game management decisions. And this one, Ryan Day seems to have a lot less pressure than he's had in the past, and Stroud appears ready for the opportunity. I'm not quite ready to call for the outright upset, but I will take Ohio State plus the six and a
3: half. Oh my goodness. I'm scared. We did a lot of agreement today. I think there's an overreaction. There's an absolute overreaction to that. Uh, the score, right? If you watch the game, you look at the film, you saw the game. Ohio State played the Wolverines very, very hard uh, until the fourth quarter. And it just mistakes. Michigan capitalized and, you know, the game got away from them. Um, Ohio State has been one of the more higher-powered offenses. They corrected their defense from last year, which was their huge, huge problem. Uh, All the players, as far as I have read, all the marquee players are going to suit up for this game and uh, see if they can't win themselves a national title. I think there is maybe not necessarily pressure on Ryan Day from the outside, but I think for Ryan Day on the inside for himself, he needs this win because he's came in and took over for Urban Meyer. He's lost now to the Wolverines twice. Um, they they're losing, you know, marquee games or bowl games and uh things like that. And I, I think he needs this game, he needs to put a stamp on um, on a very high-profile quality win. George's not this isn't the same team that we saw last year. Last year was all about that defense. I mean, nobody scored over 20 points on him. This year, I think it happened like four times and some teams like Missouri, who are really not even all that good. Ohio State should be able to score against Georgia's defense. I think this is going to be a higher-scoring game. Vegas thinks it's going to be a higher-scoring game at 62. That's going to get us around the 35 to 28 mark, thereabouts, if you factor in the spread. I think Ohio State actually gets over the 28. I'm with you. I'm not calling for the upset, but I won't be surprised if Ohio State actually – Wins this game, I'll take those six and a half points and put them on the Buckeyes.
4: And you know, everybody everybody looks at the score of that Michigan Ohio State game. Oh gosh, Michigan beat them by 22. But if you look in depth, Ohio State was cut it to a one possession game with seven and a half minutes to go in the fourth quarter 31 23. Four plays later, well, besides an Ohio State possession, you know, Michigan has a 22 point win. A 75 yard run by Donovan Edwards and then an 85 yard run by Donovan Edwards basically sealed the deal. And both of those were because Ohio State was in a not normal defense. They were in a cover zero. So as soon as he got outside the line, he was gone. There's nobody back uh, there. Exactly. There's nobody there to stop him. So I mean that was a one possession game. Yes, I think Michigan did look like the better team. Ohio State's really good. And like you said, this might be an overreaction. I think if this game is played in early November on a neutral field, I think Georgia's maybe four-point favorite. So I think you're getting a little value. I'd love to see this thing get to seven, but I'm still going to take the six and a half because I think it's there for a reason to get money on both sides. I hope I'm on the right side of it.
3: I agree, I agree. Any final thoughts before we get out of here? This is it. This is the last one we're going to do for the for the season.
4: You know, uh, no, not, I mean, I – Started out rough, uh, stayed stayed the, par, stayed the course, continued to do what I normally do. It's turned out to be a, a solid, solid season, much better than last year. Um, just be careful on these bowl games. Don't get crazy with the amount you're playing. You know, have, th- throw a couple shekels on it. Have some fun watching, have a rooting interest. Maybe play some player props or things like that. But don't think this is the time to be throwing throwing big pieces of your bankroll on these things because these things are just way... Way too unpredictable with, you know, the the what's happening on each school. But other than that, no, it's been fun and and I've enjoyed it and um you know, kind of you know, disappointed for it to be be ending. Yeah, it's been
3: it's been fun. This is my first time actually, you know, kind of hosting and and doing all this stuff. But you know, you and I go back way back, and I've really really enjoyed it. I got off to a hot start. Really, bad. Look, it's not just college football. I can't seem to get anything right. I I can't even win a coin flip. It's been so bad. Just nothing going right. It was nice. Maybe Florida State can rebound for me uh, tonight. But um, it's it's been a rough go. I echo what you say. These bowl games, I mean, it's almost like preseason football right now. They're so bad. You don't know who's playing, if anybody's motivated or anything like that. So, uh, yeah, outside of maybe the two playoff games, I'd be real careful with these. Um, yeah, it's been a good time. Let's give the degenerates one final parlay. What do you got?
4: Well, if we go with what we've done in the past, we've got to go with where we agree and so where all we
3: like all three of them. Where
4: we agree is South Carolina, TCU, and Ohio State. So we'll call this. We'll we'll add another animal to the zoo. And we can call this the Chubby Panther Dog Parlay.
3: It is a dog. I'd say if you really wanted to gamble, maybe maybe throw a bucks on uh, a few bucks on the money line on all three of them and see what happens. <laughs> uh, so we got the Gamecocks, the Horn Frogs, and the Buckeyes. That's how we're going to exit this season. That's your final Chubby Panther Parlay. We've enjoyed this ride. We're glad you guys have uh, joined us. Thanks for listening. Uh, and as always. We hang out on Facebook, we hang out on Twitter, but mostly it's the book club on the Discord channel. Please get in there and shoot the shit with us. Call us out by name. We'll holler right back. But most importantly, let us know what you guys did the first couple weeks of these bowl games, what you're doing with these final week of bowl games. And when it's all said and done, kids, I hope you all make some money, fools.
0: Information on this podcast may not be construed to offer any kind of investment advice or recommendations. Under no circumstances will the owners, operators, or guests of this podcast be held responsible for damages related to its contents. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it?
2: I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96%